and welcome to The Solve Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I'll be your host. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. Now, this show is a little different than most podcasts, as it is actually a live call held twice a month. If you can, please join us on the first and third Thursday of each month so you can get your questions answered live and direct from the experts themselves. If you're an expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com so you can be a part of the network. And now, here's our show. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, a climber, creator, and coach. And I want you to build the skill of health and fitness. My new course is a priceless gift to you, and it's available exclusively on PonoQuest.com. That's P-O-N-O-Quest.com. Build the Skill is a minimalistic, functional, real-world fitness program, which can help you to move better and get stronger faster. I can't wait for you to check it out. And when you do, please let me know how it helps you. That's build the skill at PonoQuest.com. So I, I just kind of jumped in for a little bit there, but uh, I want to see, Ben, did you have anything else? Because uh, I have a few questions that I can ask from uh, other people yeah i posted some i actually put some uh questions up in the chat that way we'd have a copy of them so we can remember what i wrote or asked so <clears throat> i've got uh i like to see what people think about you know when they sit back kind of relax um it's a little bit different way. Usually people are like, oh, what are the, best, the three best pieces of advice you've ever been given, right? I'm like, okay, that's like yawn. So here's, here's, here's my twist on the three best things that anybody's ever told you, right? So this is my twist. Number one is what's the best piece of advice you didn't take and why do you wish you had? Number two is what's the worst piece of advice you took and wish you hadn't? And three, how do you dis- discern the difference now between a good advisor, a bad advisor, and the advice they give? And maybe a corollary to that is, is it possible for somebody to be a good advisor at one point and a bad advisor at another? I can answer all those. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> have that yeah. At least we'll have that, you know. Uh, <clears throat> okay, the best piece of advice that I didn't take why I wish I had the best people I didn't take was a friend of mine, great business guy, actually two clients. Um, but one, you know, we were good friends talking one day and he just looking at my business, knew what I was doing, knew I was great at what I did, knew I was making a lot of money. He's like, well, you know what? You really kind of need a bean counter. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, you really should have someone who can like, you know, kind of manage what you're doing there. Cause he was, he was watching kind of from a distance seemed like I said, buying $50,000 pieces of equipment for cash doing this. He's like, I don't think that's the best idea. I was not big on taking help. Okay. I'm a Marine. I got a little, I'm a little thick. Okay. I mean, I just, I can put the shoulder down and I'm going to power through anything. Yeah. I need one to help. Me. I'm going to get the job done. That's the big mistake. Okay. Thinking that you don't need any help. I didn't think I knew everything. I just knew I'd get it done. There's a difference there, too. Some people don't think they know everything. That's a really bad place to be. You know, but I'm just thinking it doesn't matter. I'm going to get it done. I get all the credit. Okay, I wasn't sharing the credit. I was a real idiot. Okay, just a complete idiot that way. So on there, that was why, because I needed someone to say, you know, slap your hand. You're not dropping 50 Gs on a piece of equipment. We're going to rent it for, you know, $385 a month for the season. We're going to give it back. That 50 grand go a long ways <laughs> doing that and make it do other things. So that was probably the, the one big one. Um, let's see, I wish you had, wish this, that's why I wish I had taken this advice there because that would have saved me a, a boatload, okay? Uh, what's the worst piece of advice you took? I had a, another, I, she wasn't a friend, but she was working to get business. She was a graphic designer and shirts and I'm, I'm like working. I had this really cool logo. I had 20 years and she convinced me to actually alter the name of my company. Okay, so I'm like, hmm, because I was moving to these real custom swimming pools. So my, my, and I was like, they were just, 
no one could do them except me. They're all boulders and brick paper bottoms and salt water. And they're just fascinating stuff. So she wanted to change my name. It was Rick Rock was the name of my company, you know, Architectural Water Environments. She wanted me to change to Extreme Pools by Rick Rock. Okay, so change to the six trump. So I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, Extreme was a you know, you get the big epic and all the big words at the time. So I'm like, okay, so I actually bought into this, changed it all. And what I didn't realize was how people read and what they see. Okay, mine was, you know, Rick Rock, it was ponds, waterfalls, streams. Okay, that's what you see on the trucks in a wrap. When you put pools, a pool is not a pond, right? People think pools, they think swimming pools, which is what it was. But what was the big thing? I had built a thousand ponds. I had created over a thousand ponds. You know, I'd done a few real high-end swimming pools and wanted to get into that market. So who was the dummy switching the thing, taking all your bread and butter, and then like basically saying you don't do it anymore? Or it's a side gig. So people would look, I'd be at a trade show. There'd be a banner on the wall that says extreme polar, you know, pools, ponds, and people like they'd look and I'd hear them. I don't need a pool, I'm looking for a pond. And they keep walking. I was like, You really? It says ponds, but they don't read that far. You know, so it literally was like it was a killer. It was a I mean, I redid the trucks. I did everything. It was a killer. Really bad advice. Taking some advice from some graphic designer who does T-shirts and is not the person you want to get your advice from when it comes down to, you know, you spend 20 years building the name. Okay. You don't sweep it under the rug on a, on a whim. Okay. That was my dumb one. That was my really one I wish I hadn't had. Okay. So what's three or how do you discern that there's between a good advisor and a bad advisor? Okay. The big thing on an advisor is they have to have you, you in mind. Okay. When you talk to advisors, some are all about themselves. They're going to puff up how great they are, what they did for this guy and this guy and this guy. And they're going to constantly, their focus is going to be on them and the advice they give. All right. So what you, what I found with that is that they're still all about themselves they're not even truly asking about you. They're just, you know, just spouting off this stuff. You know, they don't know any intricacies or details about your business and about what you do. And they're able to offer this advice that can be good, can be bad, but that's a crapshoot. And they're going to want a lot of money for that advice. You know, when you're paying an advisor, you know, they've got to take a very, very serious interest in you in you as the client, you know, they need, they need to do that deep dive on what you're about, what you're doing, you know, seeing your behaviors, your patterns, your rituals, things like that. And they can do that. So, um, that's how I discern between the good one and the bad one. You know, there's still going to be a little bit of roll of a die of the dice, but in the end, you're the owner, you have to make the final decision, you know? So I, I find the hardest thing that I've seen when it comes down to advice or advisors dealing with businesses, if I go in and I'm consulting with someone is that, Remember, the owner has an emotional attachment to his business. An advisor does not. So you have to be able to kind of park the emotion as the owner, as the entrepreneur, and be able to make a, you know, a logical decision. You know, that's why I love getting outside eyes on a business. I recommend that everyone get an outside eye on what you're doing, on your marketing, on what your trucks look like, um, you know, your first calls, you know, how you're dealing with people. Let someone who knows nothing about your business because as the owner and the creator of the business, you assume everyone else knows what you know. You just, it's, it's normal for you because it should just, that's how it should be. Because I, this is what I do and everyone should know. Well, they don't. They don't know anything about you. So you get those outside eyes and that's where you get your advice. You get someone who really doesn't know anything about your industry. So if you really like looking for an advisor, find someone who doesn't know anything about what you do. You know, but consult businesses because they'll bring up stuff. They'll, they'll be like your, your know-nothing customer, okay? And that's where you make your money. So you want someone who actually has some really, really fresh eyes who knows nothing about your business. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I like the sound of, uh, you know, a different perspective or getting outside of uh, – Get outside the industry, get, get outside your head, get outside your own perspective, because sometimes uh, somebody that's not in the middle of something might say, hey, so you said you want to do this. Um, 
why don't you do this instead? I don't know. I never thought about that. <laughs> Let's try that. <laughs> uh, I do it with um, signage on people's vehicles. I uh, drive by and I take pictures all the time. You know, what, what do you see? Their name. Okay. Like it's John Smith's plumbing, this little tiny plumbing. Dude, I don't care. About, I don't care who you are. <laughs> I got a backed up toilet. Okay. I got turds on the floor. I need, I need, I need the toilet guy. Okay. I don't need John Smith. I need toilet man. You know, that's what I need. So I need to know what you do. That's what I want to see. When I see drywall and plastering and a phone number, that's my kind of sign. Okay. I don't care if it's Jim, Tom, Jose, who's ever in the drywall. I don't care. Okay. I want to know what you do as quickly as possible and how to get a hold of you. you know, how so. are you going to help me? Right. And, and another thing I always talk about, I don't want to see specializing in and have a list of 12. <laughs> That's not specialization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see it all the time, though. I'm like, how are you a specialist in like 12 things? Okay, I don't, I don't trust you for any now. I've got an industry emphasis. That's what I have. <laughs> um, so a corollary to the last, uh, the last question, uh, number three, is um, do you think that entrepreneurs need a board of directors or advisors? Like, do they need an actual formal board or... Um, I don't know. Do you have any experience or level of experience with having a board of directors, which with an entrepreneur could be like two or three people, but. Right. Yes. I, and I don't think it has to be like official, like, gee, look who's, who's, who's on the articles of incorporation. I have this board and you don't have to do that. What you need is a group of trusted, trusted advisors. So if you want to be, you got, you have, um, you know, your, your buddy, Jim, who is, who owns three restaurants, Okay, in downtown and um, and a dry clean place. Okay, then you got another guy who's got a lawn care business, and then maybe you've got another big hitter who's who's just been an employee, a high level CEO or something like that. Bring those onto your board so that you can bring your issues, sit around the table, say, "Here's what I got. What do you think?" When you can run them by again, those are still fresh eyes. Those are different perspectives coming from different ways, and you can put it all on the table and take a look at it. So, again, I don't think it needs to be official, like in writing, here it is. But if you can't together once a quarter, once a month, you know, be able to bounce ideas off. I had a customer, I mean, he was a billionaire, okay? I mean, the guy was my greatest customer ever, okay? Just my top guy, just a fantastic guy. But that guy would give me unbelievable advice. You know, I didn't take it all because I'm an idiot. Okay, because well, he's a billionaire, I'm not. So why should I listen to him? <laughs> so, you know, so so, but but these guys give you. I mean, in in thirty seconds, they 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 give me an idea. You know, they can give you in thirty seconds. You know that that can change your whole business. I mean, it's that simple. So it's really really important to get that that table of advisors. So I have a couple friends who they they all ask similar versions of the same question. Uh, do you have any either specific or different advice for people in some kind of a partnership, either you know a co-owner or a spouse that works together as opposed to like a sole proprietor? Uh, one one of the people said, you know, um, escaping the owner prison makes me think of someone that has a business as opposed to like a couple people who have a business together. So basically you got two, three different versions of that same question. So can you speak to that at all? Absolutely. Well, you know, an owner prison is the business. Okay. So if you have a partnership, you have a spouse, okay. You're both owners. And my personal experience with, I tried some partners early on, some other things, but it was, it was difficult because unless you have very, very unique, separate abilities that can add to the business, if you're crossing over and you're kind of both the same, that's not going to make a great partnership. Okay, that's my, my only my, my, my main tip there. Partnerships are difficult. And then you put a family partnership, whether it's a spouse or, you know, your brother, sisters, mom, dad, the whole thing, that's a whole other element of difficulty. Okay, you're dealing holy cow okay we could do a whole podcast on that all by itself okay but but i would say that um yes if you have multiples in it this is the importance of the exit strategy okay you're going back to all this right so now you've got two people maybe 
okay, you got partners. We'll go just partner. Maybe one wants to be done in seven years and you're like, oh, I don't want to be done for 10 years. I need to make X amount of dollars. They need to make this much. You know, one guy's enough is not the other guy's enough. So what do you do? You know, is there going to be a point for buyout? You know, okay, I'm looking for this. If I'm, if I'm partner number two, okay, I'm looking to create $20,000 a month passive income. My sell point is, you know, $1.3 million for my portion of the business. My direction is to hit that in six years. Can I have a sell option? Can I, can, or me as the number one partner, can I have a buyout option at that time? So they can walk away. I run the business from there. Okay, that's stuff that can be documented. You know, you want to have that as an agreement. Again, peace of mind. They understand you have very, um, uh, very delineated rules of engagement and operation in the business. So that's another thing, you know, who does what? So as soon as you add that second owner, you know, or third owner, whatever the case, you know, a spouse, even with a spouse, it's your wife or the wife or the husband is the, you know, the silent partner. It doesn't work that way. It has to be treated as though you're not married. Okay. You're not, it has to be treated like business. You both need to go through the same exercise discuss the exit strategies. Where do you want to be? What's your contribution to the business? It's not Monday, Tuesday, I felt great. Wednesday, Thursday, I didn't feel so good, so I didn't show up. You don't get to do that because you're married. Okay, that doesn't, that, in, that has, this is hardcore, but that's what's got to be done. You know, this isn't a hobby. You know, we're not selling stuff on eBay on the side. Okay, I mean, we're, we're talking about a real business here. All right, so that, so that would be my advice is it, it's hard. But you got to get some hardcore stuff in writing and you both need to have the integrity to stick to those obligations to the business. How would you negotiate people wanting to separate out like, okay, uh, so my friends, for instance, they had to negotiate. Well, we're working now. So our relationship is co-owners. And then after a certain time, the workday is done and now we're like married couple again and we're no longer co-owners and it was very difficult for them to figure out when to kind of switch in and out of those roles because they work from home so they are in the same place all the time mm. but having to negotiate two completely sets uh, different sets of roles so any thoughts on that and i'm i'm feeling blurry just listening to it <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what the first thing that came to mind, came to mind for this is when I tell people when they're first when they're thinking about partnerships, remember you can always hire a general manager. You can always hire someone to fill that role. If you don't have to have a partner, you can hire someone because you can fire that person. Okay. When they're not doing their job, when they're not pulling their weight, they're not doing the good, you get rid of them and you replace them with the next GM or whoever, whatever you need. I, that, that was always my, I try to have people go to that because I know it's all warm and fuzzy and he's got the same excitement as I do. And we, we share the same passion and we're going to go forward or my wife and I both love this, but like you said, she really loves it a lot more than me, but I love her and I want to support her. And this would be really great. And I've been told that I'm toxic and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, so I just, I would just say like, you know, first of all, try to hire, hire that quote partner. Okay. Get that person. You don't need a partner and seldom do you ever need a partner. Literally, unless it's, and a lot of people get it because they're cash strapped and they need that partner to come in as kind of a support role. And they know in their mind, this is not going to be good in two years and three years, but they are into starting this business. They want to get it done. So they're going to make that bad decision to bring a person on as a partner. And in three years or five years, you're talking, you're going to be in court. You're going to be divvying up the assets just like you were married, okay? Because you're going to have one big split because you're just going to butt heads and you knew this was going to happen. You're really going to hate yourself. Now, we jump over to the married side. Let's say in, in the in the 1.2% case that the husband and wife are equal, equally driven in this business. I mean, that's about, I might even be overstating the percentage, okay? Because it's that's a rarity. Okay, because like I always tell people, like my wife and I were very different because if we were identical, one of us would not be needed. Right. So you know, I don't I don't want to be with I don't want to be with me. Right? 
I'm, I'm me. I'm good. Okay, I'm enough for me to handle. So same thing there. Like you said, they hate you. I'll go back to having to have a very, very detailed strategy on what this business is, what it means to us, where we're going to take it, what is our exit strategy, where are we going with this? Let's not flounder. Let's not splash around and find our path. Okay, let's know where we're going. Let's be very deliberate on it because when you're deliberate, now you can set time frames. You know, you understand what needs to be done, when it has to be done, and you both can work towards the common goal. But if you don't have that in place, it's going to be ugly because it is going to be 24-7. You can play, you can play, you know, lover after five, okay, but you're, you know what's going to be on your mind, okay, and it's not, it's not wine and a fine meal. All right. That's just not what it's going to be. So, you know, I would just say it needs to be incredibly detailed when it's a when it's when, when there's a marriage involved, you know, just like a fa- any kind of family, any kind of spousal thing. It needs to be very, very deliberate. And that time needs to be taken, discussed, agreed, because then you're going to find out how different you really are. Because all of a sudden you, you have two very different goals. Uh, yeah, I like the idea of like shining a light on the differences and uh, because they will tend to come out at a most inopportune time. So, yeah, that's great. Sorry, Ben, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, um, I can say that from personal experience, trying to have your spouse involved in the business just can create a lot of, I don't want to say unnecessary conflict, because sometimes conflict is necessary, but I would say that sometimes it complicates the relationship more than it needs to. Um, so sometimes it's better to maybe not have the spouse fully involved, but maybe they're just a partner in some things, or you know, maybe they give you their opinion on certain things, but that's not necessarily uh, a carte blanche to have an opinion about everything, even though they do. <laughs> So just some things to think about. I went and found that, that story because you were talking about who does what. So I, I like this little story, and I'm sure most people have heard it. But, you know, this is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do, would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. So I think that that's that's about as pithy as you can get when it comes to the potential for conflict when you've got, whether it's a mismatched partner or, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily a mismatch in energy or skill. Sometimes it's just a mismatch in terms of where are we going? Like, well, we talked about this. The plan is to go here. Yes, but you're over there. Why are you over there? I like it out here in the field, don't you? <laughs> um, uh, what um, I, I certainly, it's funny because I, um, it, it's funny because Shane and I are partners in this thing that we're working on and it's really funny, but I, I, I told him that I'm working on this book called 101 Lessons in Bootstrapping, and lesson number one is uh, partnerships suck. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I will say that working with Shane is different because I think that uh, we've had this conversation several times. Our skills are complementary. Like, he can do stuff that I can't do, and I can do stuff that he can't do. So there's there's a filling the gap kind of thing there that works. But then there's also another benefit is we've known each other for three decades and we didn't start something until we had known each other for a really long time. (laughs) Right. So, you know, when you've got a relationship that lasts that long, you can kind of hope that, you know, I think we can probably get through just about anything. Pretty sure. (laughs) So I don't know um, what, um, uh, when it comes to escaping the owner prison, you know, the the concept of, you know, working on your business versus working in your business. And I totally get the illustration because I've got a background in construction as well. You know, the difference, like it drives me just absolutely bonkers when I find myself in the truck going to get materials. Like I'm like, that's not what I need to be doing right now. Like you need to do that. Why am I doing this for you? Um, but can you talk about the top 5% to the top 10%? You know, John Maxwell talks about how if you're like a six, a seven or an eight on something, you should work on making all of those tens. 
And if you're a one, two, three, or a four, you shouldn't waste your time trying to make those uh, better because the best you'll ever be is a five. And if you can't get some skill set over a five, you shouldn't be wasting your time on that. So if you could kind of take that John Maxwell concept and then apply that to what you were talking about when you said the top 5%, what does that mean when you say it? Because I understand it from a skill set when in John Maxwell's illustration, but I'm curious as to what your, what your twist, twist is on that. Sure. So the way I look at it is, again, my, my top 5% is not, it's not necessarily a strength. Okay, like I get the strength. That's, he's totally right on the strengths. Like I don't, you know, you, you get things that I'm just no good, I won't do it. I just, I don't want to learn it. I don't want to do it. I'm never going to, I'm going to be average and I do not like average. So why would I subject myself to becoming average at something? So I just avoid that completely. My 5% means that, like uh, like I said, my, my vision of where my company is going. Okay. Now I can share the vision, but no one creates the vision and no one drives the vision except me. All right. Everyone else is in the support role of my vision, but I'm the vision leader, right? So I'm in the front of the pack. I'm a big believer leading from the front, but at the same time, there I am, right? So that's in my top 5% to make sure that things are staying on mission, that that vision is being upheld and supported and created, okay? So my 5% is how I am making the contacts and the networks and building things that are going to support and increase my brand, my brand awareness, my ability to network and grow my business to get to increase my market share. You know, how do I improve? You know, if I'm an excellent trainer, if I'm great at training, which I am, okay, whether it's fitness or it's business, you know, I'm great at both of those things. That's just one of my high-level skills. I focus on that. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of the training level teaching people. Then that goes down, so I'll create that. I'll spend my time on that to make sure our training of my own coaches down to, you know, who they're coaching, our clients – are all done. See, so I, I do focus on that. But again, my 5%, I'm talking about, I'll give you an example. Like a, a mentor of mine, you know, got a big house, is super successful. And he was telling me he's in his house one day, a guy was over, and he, he looks up at the clock on the wall, you know, a little battery clock. He goes, the clocks are all stopped. You know, he goes, you know, your clock's like, need to change the batteries. He goes, well, that's not my 5%. I don't change batteries. Okay, I mean, he's, that's a guy who's into his 5%. He does not waste time putting a double A battery and a battery powered clock on his wall. Okay, someone else has to do that. He does not, he's not distracted by that. To me, I was like, I do, I'm gonna use that example for the rest of my life. You know, that's a focused guy who understands he has to do a set. Now he's a you know, he's a he's a 10-figure, you know, franchise owner. I mean, the guy created the whole thing and everything else, but because he focused on that five percent, you know, instead of doing everything. It's like if you're cleaning the toilet, okay, well, someone for 10 bucks an hour can clean the toilet. All right, you should never have to do that, you know. So that's my thing. So I, if that makes sense, you know, really focus on the only, you know, if you started the business, you understand where it's going. What are the only? No one else can do what you do. That's the top five percent. You know, only you can do that. That's what I mean by the top five percent. Not, oh, I got a CEO, he can do that. I'm talking, you are the guy, you know, to make those things happen, and no one else could do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I appreciate that. That's a good answer. I like that. It's, it's similar, but it's different. So I, I like that twist on that. Right. Um, you know, one thing real quick, you know, going back to the somebody and everybody. Okay. I've got, I've got six kids in the house, right. And they're all between like 12 and 15 right now. Okay. So my wife will call out, Hey, somebody has got to do this, these dishes. And my response every time, somebody doesn't live here. Okay, unless you delegate a name, ain't nobody going to do the dishes. Nobody ever did except me. Okay, I, I end up being somebody. Okay, so it's it goes back to that point is delegating. You know, it's really you gotta you gotta call someone out, get things done. That's all I got on that. I just that's a great little. I love that somebody, anybody, everybody. That thing's awesome. So I'm I'm, I'm really tickled about that, and uh, the reason I'm laughing is because. Ben has six kids, so I can only imagine yeah. <laughs> that same thing happening to him. Say, somebody do the dishes. Somebody doesn't live here. But maybe that's a little bonus. On the, on the off chance that somebody listens to this, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm living life on the edge right here, buddy. My wife will never see this recording. 
Hey, uh, so Richard, I want to take you back to something you said at the beginning. You said that you, 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 you wanted to make it your mission to help people escape the owner prison. So can you talk about both, uh, I don't know if you have both um, a mission statement or an envision statement, but could you talk a little bit about your mission and why that's important to you? The biggest thing, why, why it's so important is because what I went through, um, again, like I said, I wouldn't accept help. Okay, my, my biggest flaw. Like my greatest fall flaw of my lifetime was just, just thick-headed, gonna figure it out myself. I'll get it. I get all the credit. Okay. So what I realized is like when I overcame that issue, and watched how things miraculously changed and sped up, and accomplishment happened hand over fist, super fast. I couldn't even believe it. You know, I mean, I made everything work. It just took twice as long, and it was twice as hard. Okay. I just my mission. What I realized was how can I save. 10 years of an entrepreneur's life from, you know, costing mistakes, uh, banging their head against the wall, wrong decisions, you know, losing money, lost profitability, all this stuff because no one wants to help. You know, we're in this super social world and Facebook and everything else, but we're totally disconnected. Okay, no one really helping. I can throw out a little stuff on Facebook and say this and do this, do that. No one's really getting in there and giving you work. I, the only people who helped me were the people who actually really helped me. Like they cared, they got in, they gave me real world stuff, you know, that started changing what I actually did. When I applied it, it worked. I go, okay, I can take this because I know my, you know, I know my niche. I know what I want to do. I, and I've seen it. Every business I talk to, it's the same thing. It was, it's all the same. I'm like, everyone is just repeating the same nonsense they heard. Because like, like, I don't want to make any money the first three years of my business because I don't want to pay those taxes. And I just look at them like, who taught you that? Okay, I don't want to be broke for three years so I don't pay taxes. That is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, but this is, this is what's in people's head. They believe that to be true. You should show I made no money for three years. It's, it's ludicrous. I want to show I made $3 million, I paid $78,000 in taxes. I'm good. I made three million. I got a million. I got the nine hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I'm okay. I'm good with the seventy-eight grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. Want, I didn't make any money. I'm broke. I lost my car last week too. You know, because I didn't make any money my first year in business. You know, I mean, it's that's what I mean. And everyone has this. It's like it's like getting your news from memes. Okay, <laughs> like you actually believe what the meme says as as fact. All right. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. You know, this, you got to, you need a legitimate source. So my mission became be the legitimate, be the legit source, you know, but create something that people can so, so dig into and get unbelievable results when they apply it. They don't just learn because it's easy to learn and pass a test. But if you can't apply it, it's, it's wasted knowledge. You know, I, I, I posted a, a thing the other day, speaking of memes, it was, you know, the, the person who doesn't read is no better than the person who can't read. Okay. They, they, they have, they have nothing over you. If you never read, okay. To educate yourself and learn and learn something new, you're no better than the guy who can't read. You know, I think that's a Mark Twain quote, by the way, but that's, you know, it's, it's pretty brilliant. So you got to read, but you also have to do it. So my mission is to create something they can learn and apply. Without practical application, it's it's wasted. So that's really the big part of my mission. I can bring this, and I've, like I said, I've created the curriculum, I've created this entire program, and my my whole goal is to help ten thousand business owners escape the owner prison. You know, and maybe that's a lot, maybe it's not enough. You know, I don't know, but I got a plan over the next ten years to help ten thousand people. You know, and that's my goal. And if I get there early, I'm good with that too. I'll help another ten thousand you know, whatever it takes. So that's my basic mission and why I'm doing that. I don't want people to suffer. I want to time compress. I want to take 10 years, compress it into 16 weeks, you know, or sooner. You know, I do them with masterminds. People come, we spend a weekend. They literally can learn five and 10 years worth of valuable information that can help them and save them so much time to grow, expand their business and succeed in their business. I'm just tired of the failure rate. It's ridiculous. You know, I mean, so many people fail a business in the first year, in the first third year, in the fifth year. It's crazy. It just, it doesn't need to happen. The greatest, again, this, for me, I always come back to freedom. Even in my, in my program, I have a whole section on freedom and why 
when you're your own economic engine, it's the greatest freedom creator in the world. I mean, that's why we became the greatest country in the world. Okay, because we, 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 we could generate things, we could create, we could innovate, we could bring things to market, we could solve people's problems. And you got that, you, are, you have limitless potential to make this happen. So I don't want to see people fail when they have an idea to do that, you know, because you're crushing their ability to have freedom. You know, so that's like the overall principle, I guess, is like, I'm just, I'm not only free from the owner prison, but you got, you're increasing freedom and you're able to share that freedom and give to others too. So that's kind of where it's at. Does that make sense? I've got, um, if you're okay, Shane, I've got three more questions I wanted to ask based on what he was just talking about. So I'm just, I'm posting them up in the thread there. That way you can go refer to them um, as you're chatting. Um, Seems to work. Um, First, my first one is, can you comment, uh, you mentioned that you're kind of a turnaround expert or you help people with turnaround. So if you could give us a blurb on that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Is that... You know, is that an ownership stake? Is it a salary? Is it they hire you as a coach or a consultant? You know, what does that look like? I've seen lots of different ways that turnaround experts get involved in companies. Do you have a particular niche that you serve? Uh, Question number six is, are there two or three systems that, in your opinion, are an absolute must and why? Like, what are the two or three systems that every business or company should have regardless of their size? Um, and then seven, um, I like, you, you literally just said it was funny cause I was typing it in and then you said it compressing timeframes. I'm a massive fan of compressing timeframes and Shane and I talk about stacking the hack, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, can you talk about, I mean, obviously you talked about how getting education and getting some training that can help you compress timeframes. You can get 10 years of learning in 16 weeks instead of 10 years, right? You know, don't go through the school of hard knocks to learn the lessons that I learned by, you know, losing however many millions of dollars, et cetera. I I understand that. But, you know, in today's business, uh, today's world, uh, you wrote, uh, we posted your blog. And one of the reasons I posted it is because I believe that the fast eat the slow. It's not really, it's not really if I'm bigger than you are that, you know, I'm going to automatically dominate you. Now, that's there's still some truth to that, but it's not entirely the same. I, I think that, you know, for example, um, Main Street America has really missed out on how to leverage themselves against Walmart as the behemoth, right? Just because Walmart is huge, Walmart is also slow, right? They can't respond to market change the way a smaller, you know, Main Street company can, if that makes any sense. So. Uh-huh. Compressing timeframes to me is, you know, basically, I don't know, achieving goals faster or something, right? Not necessarily that, but, you know, or maybe, you know, ramping up your revenue growth faster than you thought possible or something. So what do you mean outside of, or is there meaning for you outside of compressing your your timeframe for the learning, right? And trying to avoid that 98% failure rate that so many businesses go through in their fifth year. Right, or sooner. Um, right. but yeah, so I, by, I'd say yeah, it's by five years, right? Isn't that the, yeah, they're done. You know, they're, but, 70, yeah. 70, well, according to the small business administration, 75% fail in three and 98% are gone by five. So yeah, it's great. I mean, it depends on the, the labor statistics you look at. And here's yep. the reality is a lot of them are in business and they're not even really in business and they fail. Mm. There's no record. They're not even tracking some of the numbers way. It's like how many illegal aliens are in the country, okay? They don't, they don't know. Okay, so you, they say 12, but there's 25. You know, whatever. But it's the same thing in business. We all know people who start stuff. They're doing CAD, doing this. There's no records of a business. They're just operating and doing things, but they fail. It's a taco truck. You know what I mean? They're doing their thing and they're selling tacos and they're out of business in a year, you know, or six months or whatever. So there's that. But my thing on the speed, I'm, and that's like in the blog what I wrote, I, I love speed. Okay, I love getting things done quickly. I love getting things done efficiently. That's why I like systems and processes. I think I get back to people with an estimate immediately, okay, so they can make a decision. I don't waste time. I'm not leaving and coming back with anything. Okay, I am going prepared to make things happen. You know, and that's what people want. They want their problem solved. They want a problem solved now. So I love speed. Compressing time for me, same thing. If I can go learn and get saved by guys who have been where I want to be, great that helps too so it's all kind of part of the package but i do believe no matter what you're delivering if the product you know if they're good services it's carpet cleaning you know how quick can you get there 
Okay, now I use an example, right? If they, if if, if the carpet's soaked, you had the roof leak or you know pipes broke, are you going to take three days to go out and dry their carpet? You're not going to have the job, right? You're going to get there in hours. You know, you're going to serve pro. You're going to get there. and You're going to drive this thing and take care of it. All right. Always, you're not. You're, you're losing work to other people. So, for me, everything is always based on speed. Okay, speed the market, speed the completion. All that's that's what's about. Because no one's ever complained about you showing up early for a job or getting done a week earlier than you thought you were gonna. Okay, people. Well, at least the way I I present and pitch and train is you're not paying for my time. You're paying for the job. So it doesn't matter if I get done in a week or I get done in three days. Okay, you're paying for the completion of the job. You're paying for my experience, if you will. You know, that's what you're really paying for. But I like things to get done because the faster things get done, the more profitability you're creating in your own business. And I am about maximizing profit. Revenue doesn't matter to me. You know, like like I say to people, you know, revenue, revenue feeds the ego, profit feeds the family. All right. You can you can be doing 10 million a year, but if you're taking home 90 grand, okay, we gotta talk. Okay, there's issues. All right, that's 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 a poorly run organization. You know, you're focused on revenue, all right, and real estate and everything else. You're not focused on profit. I'm about profitability. That's the biggie. Um, when we, if I can you want me to continue on these other questions? Yep. Okay, on the on the turnaround expert <laughs> aspect, what I do, um, so I build programs, courses, um, so people are able to come in and I coach. Okay, so we combine one-on-one with accountability and online curriculum, video training, uh, written training. We do all that. And then, again, our accountability is about the application aspect because there's a lot of guys who will give me $3,000, $5,000, $10,000. Then they just evaporate. And just, I, what, you, you know you got to work on this, okay? You don't get to drop some coin and then everything's going to be done and you're going to have a miraculous business and you're going to go up beyond the beach. It doesn't work that way, okay? So we got to, you know, we're, we're not, I'm not a pill pusher. You know, you don't, you don't get to have a pill and have the miraculous great business, you know, but so many guys are able to generate income, but they don't, they're not good at everything else. They're out making money and getting jobs done. But then when you want to systematize that business and put some processes in place, they'll give you the money, but they won't do anything. So now you're hounding them. So, you know, when, when you talk about my, my expertise is the accountability aspect and the coaching, making sure it gets done. I need documented proof and we make sure this stuff gets implemented, see the systems, tweak them, you know, because if they'll put the time in in the beginning – there's never a lot more work once they're in place. There's a little tweaking here and there and corrections, but nothing like the hard work that's got to be done in the beginning. So that's where I'm at. So I'm basically paid. Let's get this result. Do this. I don't do. I don't do equity partnerships. I don't do anything like that. You know, not that that's out of the question down the line, but that's not in my. That's not in my program now. What I'm doing is building a coaching a coaching base. Uh, with multiple coaches and everything else, working with multiple businesses and take them through the programs. And then we have extensions from there into the next level of business. So we'll take them all the way through however far they want to go, you know, on that. So that's how that works on that. Um, two or three systems that are absolute must. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, whether it's QuickBooks or some type of accounting software, I don't give you hire a bookkeeper. That can be the same thing as having software. Okay, a bookkeeper is different than the CPA. Right, the bookkeeper is literally just track, and you can do this with a virtual assistant. You got VAs; you can pay four bucks an hour and have this done. There is no excuse not to have your books being taken care of. Money's not an excuse. Nothing. There's no reason that somebody at least qualified to be able to put all this stuff in some kind of spreadsheet that you can then quarterly or yearly, wherever you're at, give that to an accountant who can then, which you're going to save money because everything's already done for them. They can plug it in their system and do that. So that's one that's a must. Okay, on that, um, definitely the accounting. The other one is I, I just a basic CRM, uh, a contact resource management. Okay, so you want to be able to you want to be able to maintain and understand your customer base. Okay, if you're in any business, you have customers. No one has a business without customers. I call it lifetime profitable value (LPV). All right, every customer has a lifetime profitable value. Right, so if I put a roof on their house today and they gave me fifteen thousand, am I going to say, "Okay, see you in thirty years," you know, walk away because that's when they'll need a roof again? Why would I do that? Why they have siding, they have windows, they have maybe they'll be damaged, maybe they have friends they know. So what do I do? 
Oh, you know what else you get with a roof install is a free inspection every year to make sure our roof is doing exactly what we put it on to do. And I show up and we walk the roof and, oh, I notice your windows are kind of deteriorating over here and the siding's kind of, you know, can I give you an estimate for that? Okay, you're front of mind, you're able to do it. It's a sales call, right? But take it back into the CRM, I can now I can now keep in contact with them. I can send them content. I can send them deals. I can send them you know referral requests, things like that. I build a relationship because over time, over 20, 30 years, okay, they could be worth a hundred thousand dollars to me instead of fifteen. I use car dealers for that example. My wife and I went in. We bought a fifteen-person van. You know, you're like me. You've got a lot of kids. Okay, it's it's great to have a suburban, but you can't take any friends because there's already eight of you, so there's no seats available. All right, so we so we go get the big van. We walk in. You know, I buy this thing again. Six kids, husband and wife, buy the van, leave, never hear from the dealer. Give me a call like a year and a half later, trying to get me in for service. I'm like, you you people, not an email, no extra service, made it just a burden. I'm like, wait, you know how much I'm worth to this. Think about over the next 20, 30 years. We buy a new car. We have two cars. Buy a new car every three to four years. Okay, there's two right there. I've got six children who are going to grow and become drivers who will then have families. Okay, I am worth like $3 million to your dealership. Okay, I mean, do you understand that? I mean, I bought a $35,000 vehicle, but I'm worth like $3 million to you, LPV. And one, one, I mean, it's great. And they don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I'll never go to the dealer again. They're not the only dealer, right? I mean, so that, that's what I mean. So for that, a CRM is a way to manage your customers, keep in contact with them. So those two, your books and a CRM, okay? So, and, and a lot of those, again, in construction, we have things like Job Nimbus, where you can track every portion of the job you can do all that stuff so again every business is different but those are those are two very critical aspects that'll keep your business organized and on track and actually creating you more profitability like books right you're seeing what's coming what's going your pnls everything else you're able to do all that stuff if you're not watching that stuff that's where your profits evaporate that makes a lot of sense um, well, we're sitting at, um, I think Shane has got like one more question and then we'll probably, awesome. um, uh, wrap it up. But I just, uh, usually Shane does kind of a nice little outro. We'll give you an opportunity to tell, um, tell everybody, how do they find you? How can they book you? All that sort of thing. So we definitely want to make sure that we get that in at the end of the call. But I think Shane's got one more question maybe, or are we done or where are we at? Uh, yeah, so my, my question could actually go into the, the wrap-up. So you, you mentioned the school, and uh, I, I really like how you said that you can, you can take people as far as they want to go. So if, if we have anybody who listens to this and is interested in what you're doing, what would you say is the first step for them to get into your program? Uh, two things. First, if they go um, – I, I do prefer people read my book. Or at least get the book and pretend to read. I do have an audio version too. I can send them, so I try to eliminate those excuses too. <laughs> they don't want to read. But um, on Facebook, escape the owner prison. Just look it up; it'll pop up. I also have a private Facebook group. They can get in. Um, just ask to be approved, and, and there's like three questions they answer. Um, getting my book, or people can schedule a strategy call with me as well. So the best thing I do that's like a one-on-one, one-hour strategy call. Okay, it's not even a sales pitch. It literally is, you're going to tell me about your business. We're going to walk through stuff. You will walk away with that, having app, applicable things to put into your business to make it better. You know, or we can see if you're a fit for our program. You know, right now, I will tell you, I am launching the whole new beta program I'm launching in the next week, in the next eight days. I've got a push. It's like 60% off the normal price. It's amazing. It's a world-class program. I'm looking for 10, 12 people max to be in this program to launch this. Okay, not only am I going to get phenomenal testimonials from them, but they're going to actually help me tweak it and make it even better. Okay, I'm, I, I, need, I, have a quite, I have a big desire to be number one. Okay, I just want to be the best in the industry, okay, with this program. And they'll love it. It'll change everything that they do with their business. It'll be amazing. It'll, it'll really help them escape that owner prison. So that'll be available as well. So they'll see that. to get on my Facebook page, either the Richard Walsh page, they can go directly into that, friend me, whatever or the escape the owner prison, look at those and they'll see videos on those things and stuff like that. So that's the first step 
you know, learn about what I'm talking about. Like we covered it quite a bit. I really appreciate this guys. We really, really spent some great time on this. I love it. Do you have anything else that you'd like to promote or ask of anyone who listens? Like I said, my big thing is I've got this beta launch of the, the revamped, recreated program. You guys, if you are really looking to do a, a big, fast turnaround in your business, if you you know if this does resonate with you, I would say jump on that. Get us call scheduled so I can get you in the program. We are launching it in like eight days. So you got eight days. Okay, so get in there. That's my biggest push. Let, let me help you there. Let's just talk first and see if we're a fit. Because there's people that this is not a fit for. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, like procrastinators. Okay, procrastination leads to poverty. We don't do that. All right, so there's things like that. But, um, yeah, just click on these links, get part of the group. I love to have people contribute. Uh, it's just been a blast. You know, and I just, I love helping people, man. This is my absolute passion. More than anything else I've ever done in my life, this just gives me the most joy of anything. You know, helping people do this, just succeed at their business. It's, it's the greatest thing ever. That's all I can tell you. Well, your joy shines through in your smile, so we definitely appreciate it. So thank you. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes Workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the paperwork bundle with over 300 documents, the sound effects bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the music bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Solve Network. As a reminder, these calls are held live on the first and third Thursday of each month. If you'd like to join us as either a listener or guest expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.